I didn't really want to come to Corpus Christi. In fact, I didn't even know where Corpus Christi was on the map, sadly. I was from Miami. I was living in Oklahoma and had actually gone to high school in Kansas City. So I didn't know much about the South Texas coast. And uh, when the door opened up for me to come to Corpus Christi, I was like, I don't think so. I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd gone to Oral Roberts University and uh, had really, really worked my way into a great family. I, was, I had come from a great church called Open Bible Fellowship and uh, now called Rivergate. It's at 71st Memorial in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I had some wonderful pastors by the name of Joel and Linda Budd, and they cared for me for 10 years. And if it wasn't for that church, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. They loved me really, really well. Halfway through my 10-year stint there in Tulsa, I became the youth pastor, went on to lead a ministry school. And I thought for sure that God was going to call me to Miami, Florida. My heart was always for Miami, Florida. It was where I was born and raised. I loved the Florida Keys. I loved snorkeling, scuba diving, and fishing in the, in the uh, Gulf Stream. And so I was adamant that I really wanted to move there, but God had another plan. And when God has a plan and you listen and you pay attention, God will do what he said he will do, and God does what he does best, and what God has ordained, no man can stop. Now I'm going to hit those three themes really, really hard today because some of you are in fear and discouraged, and you have a lot of big question marks over your head about your future. And so God will use my life and my story to hopefully be a witness and example for you because if God did it for me, he can do it for you. And so I don't share to boast in my own strength or anything that I did except I just trusted him. And then God did the rest. You see, God made the garden for Adam and Eve and then put Adam and Eve in the garden. So everything was already done. All, God, all Adam and Eve had to do was tend and keep the garden. And they had to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, reign, and have dominion. But a little sneaky serpent snuck in and infected all of humanity when Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, and now every child is born with a carnal human nature. Every single person born needs to, reset, needs to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I've said this many times, it's kind of funny, but even my little kids need Jesus. They're four and five. I don't know where they learn to bite, kick, pull hair, all that stuff, tell little lies. The thing is, is everybody's born with a human nature, hence we need to get a God nature. And until we get born again, we'll always have the human nature. And that human nature in the Bible is called carnality. And the word carnality comes from the word carnal. And many people are living their lives like a big carnival. And instead, what God really wants to do is live kingdom, not carnal. Understand? And so what we do here at Rock City Church is we take people out of living like animals into living like sons and daughters. Because we bite, devour, drugs, alcohol, addiction. I mean, it's a mess outside of these four walls. We live in a world system that's a mess. But the great news is, is when you get born again, you come into a kingdom system that's way better than the world system. In the world system, it's completely contrary to God's kingdom. But God still loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have life and have it eternally. And then he raises up you. Everybody say, tag, I'm it. I was driving down the cross and I said, God, change this city. Lord, I know you called me to Corpus Christi. I didn't like it, but God gave me a heart for it. And so I'm saying, Lord, shift the economy, shift the school system, shift this whole region. Lord, I'm believing for transformation in the public schools and the private schools where all of the abuse to children's happening, all the human trafficking from behind Memorial Hospital to right here on Waldron Road to the west side to the north side to the south side. I didn't care. I said, God, release your spirit, release your power, show yourself mightily into this region. And I heard God almost audibly say, scream it in my ear, tag your it. I said, what? He said, tag your it. 
because we're the ones that carry his presence. See, we cry out for God to keep coming, but when you get born again, you get a full-grown Jesus inside of you, not a little seven-pound baby Jesus. You get all the fullness of who God is, but that takes time and maturity to grow and understand all that God has given you. It's called faith. And so we walk by faith, the just shall live by faith. And as we trust him over the long haul and don't give up and be strong and of good courage and don't get dismayed, God will do what he does best. Everybody say, God, God. do what you do best. Do you do so best. the Lord began to show me, I'll do what I do best. You just do what I called you to do. Come on. I'll make the garden. I'll prepare it. In fact, I'll grow all the trees and produce all the fruit. Now I just need you to tend and keep it. I need you to be a good gardener. Right. Everybody's got a job description to be a gardener. You're gardening the life of your children. You're gardening the life of your heart. You're gardening the life of your coworkers. You're gardening the life of the economy. So now the world system doesn't justify or speak to what I do. Instead, I speak to it. Now, some of you might think that's arrogant and cocky and haughty, but the truth is the Bible says that we're called to reign and have dominion as sons and daughters. I'm going to show it to you today that if we'll abide with him, if we'll serve him, which means to stay close and be attendant to his needs, if we'll be present with him, if we'll hook to the vine, everybody say, I'm hooking to the vine. Stay hooked to the vine. You're a bunch of branches. Stay hooked to the vine, all you branches. Because apart from him, you can't bear any fruit. So in Revelation 12, 10, it says that the devil accuses the saints night and day. And he says things like, you're a failure. God doesn't care. God doesn't love you. You're never going to make it. Be afraid. Fear, 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 fear. You're going to fail. Your business isn't going to make it. Your marriage isn't going to make it. Your kids are going to die. Classic lies of the devil. Now, I've had to overcome these myself. I've never had fear in my life until we lost a 32-week-old baby. And then I was in the hospital three times with pneumonia, and I almost died. And then my mom died, and then a hurricane hit. But because of my response, because I trusted him, because my wife responded and trusted him, then I flamed on. So when I never expected my coffee shop to get wiped out, but now it's built back better than it was before because I responded and trusted him. We never expected, we never expected to lose a child, but because we responded right, my wife flamed on. Now she blogs, now she writes, and now she speaks when she never did that before. The point I'm trying to tell you is, is we all have the tension. We all live in a tension. If you're married, the devil hates your marriage. If you come to this church, he hates this church and he doesn't want you here. Anything that has movement and advancement to it, the devil's going to work hard to stop. The actual, in, in the Bible, the understanding of advancing is not just enlarging, it's improving. Let me, let me give you some perspective. When the Israelite nation went into Egypt, they were 70 strong. When God delivered them 400 years later, there were 2.2 million strong. And in captivity, they lived in the best land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen. And even though they were held captive and enslaved to the Egyptian system, the world system, they prospered and grew, but they were still slaves and they still didn't have the trust and confidence in the Lord. It wasn't until God set them free and let, the, let my people go out of Egypt that they actually started to advance. But as human nature and carnality would have it, they would complain 14 times, 14 times, 14 times. And in turn, an entire generation, 20 and over, except for two people, Joshua and Caleb would die. A whole generation because they complained. Yeah. But God had a promise and God had a purpose. And what God promises and what God aims to do, he aims to keep. 
and no man can stop them. Everybody say this to me. Say, what God has ordained, no man can stop. Now, I'm going to clarify that statement. You can stop what God wants to do in your life. All you got to do is reject it. All you got to do is say, I don't want it. All you got to do is not adhere to his word and hear his voice. And in turn, your heart gets hard and rebellious, and then you perish. It happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament. And God said in the New Testament that everything that happened to Israel was set as in samples or examples for us to follow. Now, I believe in God's love and mercy and kindness. He'll pursue you all the days of your life, no matter what. And I actually believe that God can chase you so much, no matter how hard-hearted and stubborn we get, and capture your heart. I believe that because I'm an optimist. I live optimistically. I'm a glass-half-full guy. But the reality of it is, if people choose to reject him and not listen to his voice and adhere him and his standards, I'm going to show it to you in, in the Bible if you get dismayed, which is the word for dismay in the Bible is the word anxiety. So when you see it, you're going to understand that anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, and not believing 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So the power and the love without the sound mind isn't going to work. People go to church their whole life and are dead as a doornail. People read their Bible their whole life, dead as a doornail. Because if you aren't hearing what God is saying with the breath of God inside of you, you're never going to flame on to the more he has for you. But you got to have both. If you don't have God's word written on your heart, then when God speaks, you're not going to know it or you're going to miss it. And he can't ignite the wick of your heart. So you need God speaking to you and breathing upon you, which is why you can't do anything without his presence. Because when you're present and abiding close to him, he's constantly flaming you on and trimming the wick of your heart so that you can be prosperous and successful in every way that you go. And I'm going to show you all the scriptures for this. But you need to understand that success and prosperity is not how much stuff you own. Yeah, right. Success and prosperity is not how much money you have. Right. Success and prosperity is that you're mentally put together and you have the mind of Christ. And now when God gives you something, you do the right things with it instead of using it for selfish gain. Because there's a lot of people with a lot of money that are spun out mentally and not living for Jesus, and they're not successful in God's eyes. You understand? So God wants to put you together mentally. So this morning, if you're battling depression, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, addiction, you're in the right place. Because we fight that. And we know it's prevalent, and there's no shame. About one out of every five men sadly struggle with porn in society. I'm going to believe that statistic's less in this church, but chances are likely there are people that are. And so what you do is you find somebody you can trust and you bring it into the light because the minute you get out of darkness and bring it into the light, and that doesn't mean you have to share all your stuff with everyone, but it means you need a daddy. You need a brother. You need an army in the trenches. That's why when Paul Cole comes, our first session, 9 a.m., October 20th, is the struggle is real. Real men fighting in the trenches because I'm a trench fighter. I came from prison jail, the streets and drugs, and I overcame it. Now I'll go back into it. Just like Moses went back to Egypt and said, let my people go. So your problems today are your ministry tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is get you transformed and flamed on so you can help me go back and get them. Because now I'm not wrestling for my own life. I'm wrestling for yours. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But I'm set free, born again, child of God, son of God, flamed on with an understanding of a full-grown Jesus living inside of me. So now what I'll do is I'll come rescue me, rescue you. I'll come rescue you. I've already been rescued. 
You say, that's, all, that's arrogance, that's pride. No, stay hooked to the vine. If we're hooked to the vine, Jesus made a promise. And that promise is God doesn't want you to be afraid. And then he said, just guess what? Some of you are gonna die as martyrs just so that you know. So you might as well just lay your life down now and not even fight for it. He who loves his life will lose it, but he who hates it will find it. You say, well, pastor, you're just being, you're just being too, you know, you're being too intense and too haughty. Well, read your Bible. In fact, I'm gonna show you a lot of great scriptures today to help you understand that what God has ordained, no man can stop. Now, as long as I stay in the pocket of his love and presence, hooked to the vine with his word on my heart and my mouth, meditating on it night and day, God says he promised you'll be prosperous and successful. Right. This isn't a prosperity message as far as money. It's a prosperity message as far as being made whole. Yeah. You see, you need to understand Rock City's not a homeless ministry. It's a holistic ministry. Yeah. Rock City's not an evangelical ministry. It's a holistic ministry. Rock City's not a prophetic ministry. It's a holistic ministry. Rock City's not a prayer ministry. It's a holistic ministry. My hand doesn't define David Bendet. I'm not David Bendet the hand. That'd be so weird. I'm David Bendet the person, and everything makes me whole for who I am. So God wants to make you whole. When you get saved, he rescues you, he delivers you, he defends you, he fights for you, and then he makes you healthy in your mind, in your spirit, and in your flesh. Bam! Bam. Now I'm fired up because it's the truth. Just stick around. I preach this every single time I preach. And I'm like a broken record because I'm trying to get you to understand who you are. This isn't about me. It's about what God wants to do inside of you. And for me to get you to finally believe by faith that God has a purpose for your life. Amen. Because once you see it, you'll snap out of your old way of living. Once you believe it, you'll snap. If I can get you to believe and receive, you become sons and daughters. John 1.12. To those that believe and receive, he gave the right to become sons and daughters. And by the way, that's the only right you get. No one owes you anything. Let's break off the spirit of entitlement on this generation and even in the kingdom of God. I don't owe you a thing and you don't owe me anything except for one thing and that's the debt to love one another. You got one debt and it's to love. So you think the government owns you something? Not. You think the, that your job, your employer, your boss owes you anything? The Lord is your provider. Amen. And if you're living in a world of a sense of entitlement, you're always going to fall short because now it's become about you and your needs instead of giving away what God gives you. What that'll do is break off covetous out of your life because you see covetousness, the root of covetous is unjustly gaining something that doesn't belong to you or comparing yourself to others and it really leads to pride. Because now I said, why did she, she get that and I didn't get it? Why are they more spiritual than I am? What did he do? What did she do? Why are they like that? Look at their kids, look at their marriage, look at their family. Let me give you all a newsflash. Everybody's got struggles. Don't you think that what you see on Instagram and social media is the reality of everything going on? I didn't post myself weeping and crying, and I didn't post a little video when my wife and I were nitpicking at each other and not getting along and in the trenches and battling depression. I didn't post that video. Now I'll tell on myself because the struggle's real. The devil hates me. He's got a target on me. He's got a target on you. Just, just make the decision to advance in the land because real advancement is improvement for the better. Right. To really advance means that I'm better today than I was yesterday. And every day for the rest of your life, God has more for you and something better every single day. Every single day, God has something better for you. So the devil beats up against you every single day. Yep. Every single day. 
But God has a better way and God has a plan and God has a better strategy. There's no yin-yang theology in the kingdom of God. Darkness is the absence of light. Just turn off all the lights in here. It'll be pretty dark because there's no light. But light one candle, light one Zippo lighter and bam. Everybody will see it, right? You understand? Lights out, we won't see a thing. There's not one window in here. But the minute you light a light, everybody sees it. That's why Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Now get up on the hill, take off the covering and shine bright, which means come out of shame, come out of hiding. That's what it meant. He said, here's who you are. You're the light. Now, nobody shines a light and then puts a bushel over it, but instead they shine it for all to see. You are a city, a light on a hill designed to shine bright. So come out of hiding because it's in hiding and in the darkness where deception and the lies of the devil take root. And if you listen to a lie long enough, guess what? that lie becomes a truth to you. So you come here, you get in the word, you listen to God's voice. You got all these arsenal of God's weapons of your warfare to defeat vain imaginations and deceptive lies. I'm really passionate about mental illness because I believe what happens is that brokenness and shame and lack of nourishment, bad decisions, bad relationships, divorce, cheating, lies, deception, hurts, abuse, all that stuff that so many of us have been through develop these neural pathways in our brain and then we get synaptic connections that cause us to live in a world of depression, anxiety, and fear. But God says that if you'll be transformed in my word and by hearing my voice, I'll renew your mind. Yes. That's why I said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then suddenly you'll pray from a fruitful place and have everything that God's called you to have. That's why he said, I chose you. You didn't chose me, choose me. So you can't go, well, man, I've just look at what I did. I just chose God and he did all this stuff. Instead, I understand that God loved me so much. He rescued me and he picked me and I said yes to it. And now when I pray, I pray from a fruitful place instead of a selfish place. That's why you have to understand that success comes from being mentally put together. And so you guys know the story or you should know the story. God sends Moses back to Egypt. He says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, all the plagues come. Eventually with great destruction and great, great deception and great darkness surrounding Pharaoh and Egypt, God rescues his people and lets them go. And then they get into the wilderness and for uh, a short amount of time, what should have only been a few week journey, they complained so many times to God. And finally, right before they go into the promised land, they send 12 spies, 10 come back complaining, and those 10 people infect the whole nation. One complaint, you have no idea how much complaining can affect the people around you. If you got a complaint, take it to Jesus, because 32 of the Psalms were open complaints to God. God can handle your heart. But when you start complaining to the person next to you, now I'm not, now there's a lot of stuff with my wife and I, I mean, we have, like I just dump on her sometimes. She dumps on me. But because of the truth and because God's word and because we love the Lord and we love each other, we're able to be helpmates of strength for one another, not live in the world of a pit of victim mentality and despair. That's what complaining leads to. So you have to understand that what God really wants to do is he wants you to, bring you to bring you to a place where you totally trust him. And that was why there was all this testing in the wilderness over and over and over again. And every time there was a test, people would complain. And when finally, after so many complaints, this, these 10 spies infect the rest of the nation, God says, I can't take you where I've called you to go because if you go there with what's inside of you, yeah. you're gonna thwart the promise that's, that I have for you. 
So what God does is he wants to deal with your stuff so that you can step into the more he has for you. And you're saying, God, why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? How come I'm not there? How come I'm not there? And God says, because if you got it right now, it would fall through your hands like water and you'd squander it away and it would actually kill you and destroy you. Some of you think your life's gonna change if you win the lottery? Just watch the show, I won the lottery. I mean, and watch how many people spun out, killed themselves, suicide, stole, robbed, drugs, all the addiction. <laughs> Money is never going to solve your problem, yeah. ever, ever. ever. And that's why the spirit of the stage tells you get your career, get a job, make good money. And then 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years down the line, your kids were sacrificed and you're miserable and you worked your whole life away just to provide a living, but you didn't live. Now I understand, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Some of you have to work a lot of hours to get caught up, to get back to where you need to be. We, we're in an area where there's a lot of oil field workers, offshore workers, I get it. But what I want you to know is I want you to know that God knows what's best for you. And if you put your trust in him and you look to him and let him be your Lord, then in turn, he will set you up and position you for what you're really called to do. And you think you're the one that's got to position yourself. All you got to do is get lordship in your life and say, Jesus, I want the best that you have for me and I'm going to trust you. And he says, I'm going to do what I call what, I, what I've ordained for your life. And so that's what happened. And so check this out. That. Everybody 20 and over is wiped out, except for two people. Caleb is 40, Joshua is 80. And because they trusted God and had confidence that the land could be taken, they got to go with the generation 20 and under into the promised land. Okay? It was, it's powerful. And so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 3. I want, you to, I want to, you to catch a very, very important theme this morning that's going to be like a broken record. But the m mother of all learning is repetition. So you're going to hear these words, be strong and of good courage, repeatedly. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Because some of you right now have so much dismay and fear going on in your life. But God has a plan for your life. And I'm going to show you how he promised it to Israel. But now it applies to Rock City and Corpus Christi and to you and your family. Because God put you here whether you like it or not. Amen. Tag, you're it. I didn't want to be here. In fact, I was bucking and kicking and ready to run. And I was like, this place, man, I couldn't stand it. I think I showed up right when the, we had the highest increase of sea, sargasm seaweed on the beach. And I came from the Florida Keys. And I'm like, do you call this a beach? <laughs> All the apartments I went to, the, the leasing agents told me, you're moving from, you know, Oklahoma and from Miami and you're moving to Corpus Christi? Why would you do that? <laughs> I think my first time on the beach that day, I happened to step in a big thing of tar and I'm like, man, this isn't going to work for me. <laughs> now you understand, I love my beaches. I love this city. This is my city. Woo! This is my city. I have a burning love for it. I love the beach. I love everything about it, no matter what's happening there. We've suffered through a lot of red tides and I still love the beach and I still go fishing and catch fish. God is faithful no matter what you face. Yeah. And you need to understand that when God ordains something, he's going to do it. He made the garden and he's going to fulfill his promise in the promised land. So he says this to the Israel, I'll paraphrase it for you. He says, listen, I'm going to do what I do best. All you need to do is grab a hold of it. Yeah. Because if you look at the screen and see the scripture, that's basically what it says. The word dispossess means that I'm going to legally obtain the inheritance that God has for me. That's, right. That's what it means. So God would go in and root out the people. And he would root out the people, not because of your righteousness, how good you are. Deuteronomy chapter nine, first five verses says, 
when I root out those nations before you, don't think it was because of your righteousness, how good you are. I'm rooting them out because the wickedness and the injustices in the land. And let me tell you something. God is on a move to rescue the children. There are children being trafficked and there are pedophiles and there, the injustice happening to children in this city. God is raising up an army to fight against it. And I'm fired up for fighting for children's rights and the life of the unborn. And I'm fired up for seeing families restored. I'm fired up to see people come into a place and find mamas and papas and sons and daughters. I'm fired up to see the desolate and the lonely brought into prosperity in a family. That's the kingdom way. That's the kingdom way. So God says, look, I'm gonna drive out the nations. Pull the scripture back up. I'm gonna drive out the nations before you and all you have to do is grab it. You see, Jesus paid the price on the cross and already gave you forgiveness. All you gotta do is take it. Forgiveness is yours for the taking. The devil's already been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. The devil's defeated. Let me explain something to you. The devil's defeated. You say, well, why am I getting so beat up? Let me, let's say this together. Say, the devil can't have anything I don't give him. Shut the door. Let's say it. Let's say, say I'm shutting the door. Now, if you wonder why you're getting so beat up and all these struggles, all these challenges, you need to understand that when you renew your mind, God makes new neuropathways and new synaptic connections, and now your mind becomes transformed. It's not Christian brainwashing. It's God's transformation. It's a miracle, all the LSD and mushrooms and pot that I did back in the day. And somehow I graduated with honors from a private college. And somehow God has got me here. It's all a miracle by God's grace. You know why? Because he renewed and restored my mind and he, he transformed everything inside of my head that was spun out. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. If you're battling with mental illness, if you're battling with schizophrenia and being bipolar, let me explain something to you. God's word works. God's blood is powerful and God can transform you, renew you. It just takes time and it takes people. It takes a family. It takes nourishment. It takes comfort. It takes strength. It's God coming to the rescue for your life. God's coming to the rescue. God's coming to the rescue. And when you're surrounded by an adversary... All you got to do is say, God, help me to see your army that's surrounding the adversary's army because greater is he than anyone or anything that's in this world. Now, I live this and I believe this, and it's something that we grow in and we learn in over the course of time. You learn through failures and mistakes. Sometimes you're going to make poor choices. Sometimes you're going to do things you shouldn't do. And in this place, there's, we're, we have a culture of mercy and grace and love and kindness and understand process. And we're all growing in it. The struggle's real. We have to learn. We have to grow. We have to have experiences together. So God would say dispossess. And here's another great meaning of dispossess. I'll say it to you this way. You are an heir that has an inheritance. Now, if somehow you discovered you had a million dollars of inheritance from some relative somewhere, would you just be like, oh, that's nice. I don't really want it. (laughs) That would be crazy. I'm showing you a great point. God says, I made a promise to you and I'm taking you somewhere that has a great purpose. I have a promised land for you. Ultimately, it's gonna be heaven, but God wants heaven on earth until that time come. God doesn't just want you to get it all then. Now is the time. Abundant life is for the taking now. Abundant life is for the taking now. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Eternity starts right now, everybody. 
You're living eternal right now. Okay? So he says, take your rightful inheritance. When I get over there and I get these people out, take it. You got to grab it. You got to grab the forgiveness. You got to grab the mercy of the Lord. You got to grab the kindness of the Lord. It's right in front of you. Your inheritance is right in front of you. Take it. All you got to do is grab it and believe that God has it for you. Believe and receive. God has it for you. My life is a living testimony of it. And it hasn't come without great adversity and hardship, trials, tribulation, and trouble. But I take heart in the midst of it. And instead of thinking it's strange and letting a stranger inhabit my mind, instead I rejoice, I respond with rejoicing, knowing that my momentary light affliction of a hurricane, death, whatever it is, that God has something better for me. It's momentary and light, and now we flame on. Everybody say, I'm flaming on. We're flaming on, guys. You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. So he says, dispossess. Dispossess. Take your inheritance and let God do what he does best. Everybody say, God, God. do what you do best. best. Bam. Bam. (laughs) Let's look at verse six. Now there's some conditions. Everybody say, there's conditions. So here they are. Number one, be strong. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. To be strong in the Lord and the power of his might is to understand that it's not my own goodness and the greatness of who I am. I'm not being strong in the greatness of myself. I'm being strong in the Lord and the power or dominion and rule and reign of his headship. He's the king. He's the king of kings, in fact. That's why Psalm 2, I love it. Why do the nations rage and scoff? In vain, and plot a vain thing. Whatever's happening national around the world, it's a vain thing. The Lord laughs. Instead, he's going to turn the tables and he's going to raise up a, millions and millions and millions of sons and daughters. Everybody say, tag, I'm it. Tag, I'm it. And you're going to go to the nations. You're going to go to your backyard. You're going to go to Flower Bluff. You're going to go to the island, Port Aransas, Portland, Sinton, Ingleside, Aransas Pass. I don't care where it is. From Kingsville to San Antonio, this whole region is going to be transformed because God's raising up a mighty army, and we're not the only ones. It's 350 churches in Corpus Christi with over 800 in the Coastal Bend region. Not not everyone's flamed on, but some are. And anybody that's hungry and thirsty for what God has is going to get it. You just got to get hungry and thirsty. That's why Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Just got to get you hungry. That's what I want to do. I want to influence you to be hungry. I want to influence you to be desperate. I want to influence you to pursue God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is the greatest commandment. So he would say, be strong and of good courage. You know what the word courage means? It means, this is an awesome definition of courage. It means to be strong and immovable and unshakable in the midst of great fear and opposition. That's courage. When all the odds are against you. It says to be strong and be of good courage and be immovable and unshakable because the Lord is the one that goes with you. Look at the scripture. I cannot fear and not be afraid Because the king of kings is in me and beside me and goes with me. You can't do it without his presence. You can't do it without his presence residing in you and surrounding you. 
God's presence drives back every darkness and demonic thing in your life. It's why we worship the way we do. And by the way, wasn't worship awesome today? Woo! We were like rocket ships. That's my kind of worship. Aggressive, passionate, prophetic, desperate. Worshippers crying out from their heart. It moves the heartbeat of God. And then God moves on our behalf because he enthrones and inhabits the praises of his people. I'll say it to you another way. God's presence inhabits and comes when people are worshiping him and live a lifestyle of worship. So he says, be strong and encouraged. Now, let me, help, let me give you a little backstory. The Lord on many occasions forewarned Israel about what was going to happen when they get over the River Jordan. Now, most of you should know the story. As soon as they get over the River Jordan, Joshua meets the commander of God's army because their first battleground was Jericho, which was a moon-worshiping lunar lunatic society. Do the research. God says, because the thing is, is if they didn't get, if they didn't, if that generation had made it into the promised land and they got to Jericho, they would all spun out. That's why God's got you where he's got you for a reason, for a purpose, for a time and for a season. They would have got to Jericho when God said, march around and blow those shofars the lunatic spirit and the lunar worshipers of Jericho, that demonic spirit would have infected them and the purposes that God had could have been thwarted. Listen to me. New levels, new devils. You better understand that. You think you're going to go further with the Lord without opposition, but I got great news for you. The devil's been defeated. Yes. Keep your seat. Keep your seat. That means stay in governmental position. And don't get swayed by the economy, the White House, the presidency, the politicians. You got to stop getting swayed by the things of this world. Keep your seat. You have a governmental position in the kingdom because when you got born again, the Bible says God raised you up and seated you in heavenly places at the right hand of God. You're seated here and there because you're seated in your heart in heavenly places. Woo! Yeah! I think I'm the only one fired up about that word. I mean, seriously. Let's pull the scripture back up. So he says, only be strong and of good courage and do not fear or be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you. He will not leave you. So he promised you. He made a promise. Here's the promise. Because I'm with you, you don't have to be afraid. You can be strong and be of good courage. I'll never leave you. Let's say it together. He'll never leave me. Never or forsake me. Now, just so that you get this, we're going to repeat it a lot. Let's look at the next verse. So the first verse, six, was Moses was talking to the nation. Now Moses pulls Joshua up as the leader and says this to Joshua. He says, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you'll cause them to inherit it. You see, courage is something that every one of us needs to grab a hold of in every area of our life, in our finances, in our marriage, with our children, because courage is the opposite of fear. Another beautiful thing about the word courage is not only am I going to stand firm in the face of adversity, it means that when something unexpected happens, I'm not going to be shaken. Yeah. And let me tell you something, we didn't expect to lose a 32-week-old child. 
We didn't expect that Hurricane Harvey would wipe out my coffee shop. But because we responded right and we stayed strong and of good courage, even in the midst of fear, I'm telling you, with what I went through in that season, and even to this day, the lies of the devil that try to come to me into my head and tell me things that bring me into fear are something I have to battle. All of us do. Especially if you see the news. Because you hear about stories happening to that one person somewhere else and you think, gosh, I hope that doesn't happen to my child. So what I want you to know and I want you to understand is that we have to battle the unexpected. But we have to trust him by being strong and of good courage and not being afraid. Because God made a promise. Everybody say, God made a promise. Listen, God made a promise. You can believe it or not. You don't have to even like me. You don't have to like this church. You know, I'm just telling you, God made a promise. And what God has ordained, no man can stop. What God has ordained, no man can stop. Okay? So, just as the Israelites were about to go into the promised land, God now speaks to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. He says, let me paraphrase that first line for you. What God has ordained, no man can stop. So, well, pastor, I mean, that's a little arrogant because God has ordained stuff and it's not been happening. Well, number one, you have need of endurance and you have need of patience. And I'm usually about 100% sure it's not a God issue. (laughs) About maybe 100%. (laughs) So look at the promise. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. The promise of God to stick by your side and to be with you in your heart and around you and to fulfill his promise that all the promises of God are yes and amen. I just got to get you to be strong because what happens with this many people and two services and the more that are coming, we've got addicts, we've got people struggling mentally, Bipolar, schizophrenia. What schizophrenia simply means to be split mind. It means you got two mental components going on inside of your head. So God wants to overrule the dark side. It's way better than Star Wars. So you catch the scripture, guys. It's just as much for today as it was then. Now, we're standing in the midst of great tension. Dollar General, we fought for years to get them out. God told me when we did our gala event a couple years ago and raised 60000 and then very next day, he said, do you want my best or not? I said, I want your best. He said, then go after Dollar General. And you need to understand that I'm not a Dollar General hater, nor do I not like the employees. There was a great article that was written about us having Dollar General, basically for us dispossessing next door. There was a great article written by Matt Briscoe. I shared it on my Facebook page. You guys can go read that. Matt Briscoe, Texas. People were complaining. People were upset. They shopped there for 20 something years. But God said to me, do you want my best or not? Because we could not stay where we are right now. We've been out of space. Our kids' classrooms are out of space. And I really care about kids. I have a four and five-year-old. Any news stories I hear or read about it in just children, I bawl my eyes out. We got to fight for the generations. Okay. So God said, you want my best or not? I said, yes, Lord, I want your best. He said, then go after Dollar General. So I said, okay, we'll go after Dollar General. 
Little did I know on the East Coast, Winn-Dixie was going after Dollar General. Little did I know other grocery store chains around the nation, it all caved in on them at the same time. So when we finally hired the attorney, which was courage to do, because the attorney was expensive. And if we'd have lost the case against Dollar General, we could have, it could have cost this church over $150,000. But guys, it, you can't stay the same. This isn't about more people and more numbers. This is about advancement of the kingdom because you can have more people in numbers and have no move of the Holy Ghost. Trust me. I didn't have an option. Do I want, I could have said, well, God, I don't really want your best. I mean, I'm just okay with my, with to stay right where we're at. But I didn't say that. Instead, I said, I want more and I want to see more. So God said, okay, little did I, little did we know that we had some loopholes in their lease agreement because this shopping center was owned, you know, gosh, decades ago by HEB. And when HEB let Dollar General come into the shopping center, there were some clauses in the lease of things that they weren't supposed to be selling. Tobacco, alcohol, produce, pharmaceutical items. So the attorney found some loopholes. And all we wanted Dollar General to do is move out at the end of their lease. That's it. Finish your lease and we won't renew it. But that's a big risk, $55,000 a year. But you can't stay the same. God has a plan and a purpose, and we're called to advance. We're called to advance. And I'm thankful for Dollar General because when the reporter wrote out, re reached out to them, Dollar General wrote a beautiful letter back. I have the email, and it said, we chose to close the store, and all the employees that are there will relocate to one of our other 14 locations in Corpus Christi with one in Portland and one in, in Port Aransas. So you understand that God did the work. We'd just taken our rightful inheritance. God gave us this shopping center for a reason, and he put us right in a place where there's incredible need. This will always be a missional outreach-oriented church. We're a house of training and equipping and prepping you to do what God's called you to do, okay? So, verse six, because God won't leave us or forsake us, we can be strong and of good courage and have no fear. He says it again. You think God's trying to get your attention? Yeah. Be strong and of stand firm in the midst of great tension and great fear and trust me if I won't do what I said I'd do. God's going to do what he said he'd do. And you know what? It's going to happen in his time. We're not doing a capital campaign. We're not receiving second offerings. We're not doing any of that. If it takes six years, it takes six years. You need to understand that. Whatever God wants is what God will have. Amen. All I'm going to do is be a good gardener with what he's given me now. And I'm going to show you this thing about being content with what you have right now. Okay? So here's what he says. He says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers. So God made a promise. Everybody say, God made a promise. God made a promise. Verse 7. You think God's trying to tell you something? Because I, can't, I don't know how many times I've read only be strong and of good courage. Yeah. He's like a broken record. You know why you'd have to say it so many times? Because where you're going, the people have walls built up to the city and there are giants in the land. They're called descendants of Anak. And they're huge in the spirit. They're really big. But my God's bigger. And I can't do it alone, so God put me together with you. And then he says, tag, we're it. And then this church can't do it alone, so we partner up with the other pastors in the city. And God says, tag, all y'all are it. All y'all. All y'all is the plural of y'all. 
So he says, only be strong and courageous. And then he gives you some conditions. Here's the conditions. Everybody say, observe and obey. So he says, only be strong and courageous that you may observe. It means to look intently and closely and adhere to what you look at. It means pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. That's what that means. Pay attention. That you do according to all the law which, my Mo- which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, Back then, there was no law of liberty. Jesus hadn't come yet. So God would instill the law, which ultimately would be called the law of sin and death. But even in the midst of the law of sin and death, God would bring words of life that if they adhered to it, they would live. And then they'd ultimately realize that they couldn't do it on their own, so God would send Jesus. That's kind of how that worked. Okay? And so he says, don't turn from the right. Don't turn from the left. Today, Jesus has given you a better way. In fact, the message of the cross in the New Testament is actually called the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The word the way literally means the journey. It means that God has you on a journey. And so what he's saying to you is, look, don't veer, don't stray. And if you do stray, I've got a golden key. Everybody say, I've got a golden key. I've got a golden key. Your golden key is forgiveness. That's your golden key. Because guess what? You're going to bomb it sometimes. I mean, you're going to really bomb it. But guess what? God has given you a golden key. I wear it around my neck. Not only is it as a reminder of the key of David that's given to all of us to open and close nations and to have authority, but it's also the reminder that God's given you a golden key of forgiveness every time you bomb it. Because God loves you. So if if you stray to the right or the left, what do you do? You get back on the way. That's why I tell you over and over again, don't give up. Don't give up. I see people. I ran into a couple yesterday that I care about. And if you're here, I care about you. Things have gotten pretty messy in their home life. I said, have you been coming? No, we haven't been coming for a long time. I said, listen, you got to get back on the way. You're isolated. The devil brings shame. He brings all these things when you get isolated. And so he says, observe the law or observe God's word so that you can stay on the course. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it how often? How often? How often? The devil comes to accuse the saints night and day. How often? Night and day. So God says meditate on my word. How often? God has a counter strategy. And and the devil's devil's not on part-time duty. He's not a part-time worker. He's full-time. So he calls you to be full-time. He says, meditate on the word. How often? Day and night. Because when you meditate on it, you can then observe it to do all according that's written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here's the understanding. God's word transforms your mind. If you look up the word success in the Hebrew, look it up. The first meaning of the word success means to be mentally put together. It's the first meeting. It's God's direct answer to mental illness. Now we're patient. Some people are on medication. Stay on it till you get, till God transforms you, renews you, and heals you. Not telling you to just jump off your medication. 
What I'm telling you is over time, through patience, consistency, staying in the way, meditating on the word night and day, getting discipline, that what God does is he transforms your mind and he puts you together. Because like I said, you can have all the money, all the stuff, all the things, all, you can have everything seemingly to go right for you in the natural, but if mentally you're not put together, you're gonna spin out. Right. Or you'll have it and you'll say to yourself, I don't understand why I'm not happy. Everything seems to be going right for me. My kids are healthy, my home, my this, my that. Listen to me. If you're not renewing your mind and staying hooked to the vine and look at the scripture, meditate day and night. Now this word meditate, this isn't like yoga meditation. It's not yoga meditation. It's not om, om. I don't know, however they do it. I've never done that. Here's what it is. The word meditate means to regurgitate. It means to chew, ponder, contemplate, and then regurgitate like a cow does when it chews the cud. So the understanding is, as I take God's word, people ask me all the time, how do you know so much scripture? I know scripture because I stopped reading the Bible to get something, and I started reading it to know someone. Yeah. Let me say that again. We stop reading the Bible to get something and we start reading it to know someone. Because if you're reading it to get something, that's behavior modification. You see, God doesn't want you to be good. Let's say it together. God doesn't want me to be good. Come on, some of you didn't say it. God doesn't want me to be good. God doesn't want me to be good. He wants you to be spiritual. It's funny when I have people say this, like this, it offends them. It's like, wait, wait, I can't say that. God don't want me to be good. That's exactly right. Does he want you to do good? Yes. Of course he does. But if you're living in this mindset of I've, I've got to be good, you're eating from the wrong tree. Because remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil led to death. And it was still the knowledge of good. So God wanted you hooked to the tree of life, which is to be spiritual. Yes. Say, I'm hooking to the vine. I'll just say it this way. Hook to the vine, all you branches. Hook to the vine, all you branches. <laughs> Just love that. So he says, meditate on it, ponder it, contemplate, remember it. And the word, meditating on the word, is not just the written word, it's God speaking to you upon the written word in your heart, okay? So he says, look, if you meditate on my word and the book doesn't depart from your mouth, see, no, notice he put mouth, he didn't say heart. Because what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. And that's why the Bible says, out of the mouth springs the wellspring of life. The power of life and death. What stopped the nation from going in? Complaining out of their mouth. But see, when you know the word, it counteracts complaints, fear, worry, doubt. Then you can be strong and good courage and know that God's with me all the time. So when fear comes in and all that stuff and the spirit of death tried to wake me up in the middle of the night and I saw Satan in a dream... I kept my seat. And instead of freaking out, I trusted and I looked to Jesus. I said, well, that's already been defeated and he has no right. Let's say this together. The devil has no right, has no right. to anything in, my life anything in my life unless I give it to him. When you catch that one thing, it'll change you forever. I walk into people's houses. I go visit people demonic oppression, schizophrenia, mental illness, 
And I say, okay, well, how did the devil get here? That's, and they're like, that's what I want to know. <laughs> so I help them self-realize. I don't just go in and bust up demons and cast them out, and we have a big froth at the mouth festival on the ground. <laughs> you know when real deliverance comes? When you shut the door. Everybody say, I'm shutting the door. Come on, guys. The devil has no right unless you give it to him. Know your authority in Christ. You have a full-grown Jesus living inside of you. So he says, be careful to observe everything that is written in it. And then what happens is, is you'll be prosperous and you'll have good success. So real success means first being mentally put together. So we're in a process. We're patient with you. Even if you spin out, we're patient with you. No matter what you go through. I know depression, anxiety, fear, and worry are prevalent in our society. The top most prescribed medications in the world is number one, antidepressants. And ADHD medication. And then heart medications. Because it's all affecting the heart and making people sick. So God would give a better counter strategy. And he'd say, meditate on it how often? Day and night. And then you'll be prosperous and you'll have good success. Verse 9. Have I, I think the Lord's trying to tell us something. I don't know, is this like the fifth time or sixth time, something like that? Yeah. I think the Lord is trying, if I can just get you to be strong and of, and of good courage when you walk out of here today and know that God's with you and that he loves you and you got to stay hooked to the vine, your life will change. Right. I guarantee you everything, everything that creeps into your life comes when you stop staying hooked to the vine. I guarantee it. Fear, worry, doubt, disbelief, Spinning out affairs, addiction, porn, all of it comes from getting unhooked. Have I not commanded you be strong and good courage and don't be afraid nor dismayed. I'm going to just tell you about this word dismayed real quick. It's a very powerful word. The word dismayed means another word, and you guys know that I like to teach you new words, and this is the word consternation. How many of you know what the word consternation means? Raise your hand. A few of you. The word consternation means to have an anxious mind. It's anxiety. And it's this understanding that God says, don't be afraid and don't be anxious. To be anxious means that I'm not fully trusting him for what he has for me. And I've allowed the circumstances of my life to spin me out in my mind. Worry, doubt, fear, what the paycheck said, what the uh, landlord's saying, what's happening with my rent. What's, I've been there. I've lived paycheck to paycheck. But in every situation, I trust God, and I promise you, he'll never fail you. I promise you, he'll never fail you. Might you have to go through some very difficult times so that you can die to self and trust him? Yes. That's why I say you got to die to fly. You got to die to fly. Jesus had to die to fly. There's no resurrection without a death. And if you want to resurrect in the promises, you got to die to self. It's the only way it works. Just die now. Just die now. Don't wait 10 years. Just do it now. And what I mean by that is lay your life down now fully at the cross. So my last scripture for you this morning is Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. The word conduct means, actually another version says conversation. But the actual meaning of the word conduct is your manner of life. It's how I conduct my life. 
That's how I live. It's my manner of life. And the reason why another version, has, another version of the Bible has conversation is because, check this out, the manner of life on the inside is what comes out of my mouth on the outside. So now I speak life, not death. Now I speak promise and hope instead of discourage and fear. And so it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. And I'm going to remind you that covetousness means to, it, it means to get something unjustly or to desire something unjustly. It means that I compare myself to someone else. I can't compare myself to another pastor or to a millionaire. I can't think that you got it all figured out just because of what you have on your social media, as I've said. What I want you to understand is that covetousness is basically, here's the root of covetousness. The root of covetousness is saying, I'm not content with what I have right now. And I want what you have. But you have to understand that God puts you through a unique process to get what you have. Because he knows what's best for you. God knows what's best for your life. He knows what's best for you. That's why I say, God, do what you do best. Do what you do best, Lord. So it says, let your conduct, the way that you live your life, be without comparison and saying, I'm gonna, I, why do they have something and I don't have it? And then saying, I got to have what you have. And then check this out. Covetousness ultimately leads to pride. Because then suddenly you feel like there's an injustice that happens to your life. And you feel like God's unjust. And you think, well, look at all the stuff I've done. And they didn't even do that. And they got more than I got. And that's unjust. And now I'm prideful. And then I get angry. And then I spin out. And then guess what happens? I fall. Pride goes before a fall. So you have to hate covetousness with a passion. Stop comparing yourselves to other people's Christianity and faith. Stop living vicariously through everybody on social media. We share our lives because we live our lives out loud. That's okay. I'm, I don't care. I'll live my life out loud. But I'm not sharing it to boast in myself, nor do I want you to be living vicariously through me. You'll spin out. Some of you are guilty. Just repent. That's all you need to do. I'm not beating you up. I'm just calling out the truth. I love you. Now I'll check out your all social media. You know why? See how you're doing. Check see your kids. Your, you guys were at the UT ball game having a blast. I love the fireworks in the video. I'm celebrating with you. Instead of thinking now, how did you guys get those tickets to that game? And why were you there? And why wasn't I there? And how come you didn't invite me? <laughs> so weird. For he, okay, so be content. You know what the word content means? It means to be fully satisfied where you're at right now and with what God has given you. Do I want more of Jesus and want to grow? You bet I do. That's not what I'm talking about. I desire more. But what it means is whatever God has allotted for right now, I'll take it and I'll be content with it. However long it takes to do that over there is however long it takes. Whatever God wants to do, that's what I want him to do. So I'm going to stay in position and I'm not going to move. I'm going to stay present and active and attendant to what he has for me. And I'm going to learn to be content with where I'm at. Yeah, right. Despite the mess, 
despite things not going most of the time the way we think they should go. It happens all the time with Amber and I. It's like, man, we didn't see that coming, and why did that happen, and why did they do that? But then we learn that understanding of this word of not being dismayed, standing firm in the face of adversity, and not spinning out with anxiety. What good is it if you have all the stuff and you have an anxious mind? That's why God would say, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, get, with prayer and supplication, offer your thanks to God. Woo! Yeah! Pow! So you know why God said you can live without covenants and be content with what you have? Here's why. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, verse 6, and because of that, I'm fired up and I'm bold. And some people think it's arrogant, but it's time for you to get bold and believe that God loves you enough that he gave his son and he cares about you. And now he's got a family. So now you can come to the place where you ultimately say, if God is for me, God is my helper, the Lord. Everybody say the Lord, the Lord. is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And you want to know the answer to the rhetorical question? Nothing. 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 Do you get the point today? You think God wants to tell you something today? You think God wants to snap you out of the fear, the worry, the darkness, the anxiety, the depression, the dismay? Nobody can tell me that you can't overcome dismay. No one. Because I've been through a lot of dismay. A lot. And I believe in you. And this morning, if you've been mental, schizophrenic, bipolar, addicted, I don't care what your situation is. I know God can rescue because he did it for me. And you're sitting next to people in this church that have been rescued themselves. We got a lot of people that are recovered, not recovering, recovered here. Now you get in the process of recovering, which leads to recovered or recovery, complete. You get in process, get back in the way. You let somebody pray for you. You stand, you contend, you get up to the altar. You let somebody stand and agree with you. You get a mini army around you. You get a mini army around you and then you get healthy and then you get around the next person. That's how it works in the kingdom. God does it in you so he can do it through you. And some of you need more in you experiences. The kingdom of God is built on experiences. Christianity is an experiential faith, not a logical spin out in your mind, intellectual faith. It's experiential. And you'll have experiences when you come up and let people pray for you or you get up here in the front and worship or even in the back. I don't care where you are. This whole place is one big giant altar. But you need to understand who's your helper? The Lord. Who? Lord. Who? Lord. Who? Lord. The Lord is your helper. You will not fear because what can man do to you? Nothing. What? Nothing. So I believe in you guys. I love you. I'm in it to win it. Yeah. He already won it. <laughs> but I'm in it. It's go time. It's go time. We don't do what, we do what we're doing here for fun. We do it for transformation and power. This isn't a show. This is the real thing.